on the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry. I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the Indo-Daily, Tuberty, Redundancy, Insolvency, the latest woes at RTE. Do you believe it will be insolvent this time next year? Yes, and I've made that point. If we didn't get this cash, we would run out of cash, that's for sure. RTE Director General Kevin Backhurst sounded an ominous warning for the national broadcaster as he faced a fresh public grilling. The worries and concerns of this committee and the people watching are so severe that if you do not provide this note, I think yourself, Mr. Lynch, and others will have serious issues into the future. With another high-profile exit and a sour mood, are the toughest tests still to come for RTE? The Director General of RTE, Kevin Backhurst, met with staff today. He said there will be no compulsory redundancies, but that there may have to be a voluntary exit scheme, which will be outlined in RTE's future strategy. And what are the pros and cons of having a national broadcaster? A lot of people don't even have televisions anymore in their 20s and they don't see things reflected in the RTE running order on a Friday or a Saturday night that actually represents them. I'm Fiona Sheehan and today on the Indo-Daily, I'm joined by Ellen Coyne, special correspondent with the Irish Independent, to examine Backhurst's battles. And it's another week where we're saying a crisis in RTE. What is it this time? So this week, Kevin Backhurst was before the Public Accounts Committee for his latest grilling in this long-running, never-ending saga of the RTE payments controversy. The honeymoon period for Kevin Backhurst is over. He kind of went in as this kind of reformer who had everyone on side. But the longer this goes on, the more we're getting into the nitty gritty of the issues with RT. And I suppose the big headline that came out of the Public Accounts Committee on Thursday morning was Kevin Backhurst revealing to TDs that the the scale of RT's dire financial straits. And he basically said that at the moment, if they don't receive interim funding from the government, if they don't manage to make major, major cutbacks themselves, they will run out of money. Do you believe it to be insolvent this time next year? Not if we get the funding that's been uh, suggested. And if we we make significant cuts to our spend. And if you don't get it, do you believe RT will be insolvent? Yes, and I've made that point. If we didn't get this cash, we would run out of cash, that's for sure, yeah. So they've got 16 million in interim funding from the government in the budget. How much were they looking for there? 34 and a half. They are going to be down by how much in TV licence revenue over the next 18 months? So 21 million by the end of this year and over 60 uh, over the next year and a half. So that's 60 million. And the government is saying how much is on the table? 
So at the moment, they only have the the kind of 16 million in interim funding. And I suppose when you ask the government questions about what is going to happen, things to get things tend to get a little watery. The government had been very strong in saying, you know, it will only give money to RTE if RTE is very clear on um, changing the way that it runs and making cutbacks. But we learned at the Public Accounts Committee on Thursday when there was also a presence from the department there that while the government wants to see RTE making cutbacks, it's actually not going to stipulate what those cutbacks need to be. And the thing that's overshadowing all of this, the thing that kind of predated the actual payments controversy is the fact that we still have no idea how we're going to uh, fund RTE into the future. We've known for a long time that there's been a problem with the license fee. What, what is the collection rate as of today? It varies from week to week, but it's down approximately 30% as a trend, I believe. And does the department have an up-to-date figure as to where it stands in terms of collections? Last week was down 39% deputy. RT is still dealing with the past uh, as well. How much are they spending on reviews of past events? Yeah, this was um, a really shocking moment from the Public Accounts Committee. So we've got three professional services or legal, uh, legal firms carrying out different reviews into different controversies at RTE. We've got Mazars, we've got McCann, Fitzgerald, and we also had Grant Thornton. And then we also have the government doing its own separate reviews. Kevin Backhurst revealed to uh, the Public Accounts Committee on Thursday that RTE, while it doesn't know the final cost because these reviews are ongoing, is allowing two €150,000 a month, a quarter of a million euro a month on these ongoing reviews and investigations. And as Kevin Backer said himself, that is so painful when you're in the financial position that RTE is to be paying a premium um, to kind of be to be putting that much public expenditure into reviews that, to be honest, in some cases are probably clarifying problems that RTE is already well aware of. Now, ghost of the past still came up. Uh, Ryan Tuberty. Why are we still talking about Ryan Tuberty? So we know that this con- this uh, controversy stemmed from um, undisclosed payments to Ryan Tuberty. And this all stems back to this Teams meeting in 2020, where you had D Forbes, then Director General of RTE, Ryan Tuberty, and Ryan Tuberty's agent, Noel Kelly. And this was the crucial meeting where RTE agreed to underwrite this now controversial Renault deal, uh, which resulted in the, the payments being made, the €150,000 to Ryan Tuberty. Obviously, politicians are really, really interested in the substance of this meeting and who said what. So for ages, the Public Accounts Committee has been asking RTE to hand over a note of the meeting. Now, in fairness, RTE has been handing over hundreds of documents all throughout the summer, but not this one. RTE is saying that it got legal advice to indicate that it should not hand the document over. Committee members will be aware that we asked for independent external legal advice from Arthur Cox about what we could and could not say about individuals and hopefully that letter is in the in the public domain so that others can see it as well. The Public Accounts Committee don't have much truck with that. They said that they got their own legal advice, which indicates that RTE should. And the whole way through the Public Accounts Committee hearing on Thursday, uh, in between all the over and back about all these other issues, I think almost every single politician asked, when are you going to hand this document over? And Brian Stanley, the chair of the committee, actually indicated that PAC is now considering ways to compel RTE to hand the document over. And it resulted in a fairly terse exchange between Labour's Alan Kelly and Kevin Backhurst. If it ends up in a scenario whereby this goes through, where we have to compel this, it could end up legal, it could end up in the courts, your position won't be tenable. It's not a two-way relationship as regards you get to see our legal advice, because you don't. Because this is the Oireachtas. We're the people elected 
We're the people who have to vote on whether we give you money. The taxpayers are watching this. So you don't get to see our legal advice. You should withdraw that. Now, somebody who appeared at previous committee hearings is now no longer with the organisation. Richard Collins, how did his name come up? So on Wednesday, the day before uh, the committee met, um, the news was released that Richard Collins had resigned his position as Chief Financial Officer with RTE. Obviously, um, a lot of politicians were asking questions about this fairly early on in the meeting. But I think even as soon as his opening statement, Kevin Backhurst was saying that, frankly, he understands that he can't go into much details about the circumstances of how Richard, Richard Collins left. I think he was asked questions, you know, about was there an exit package provided? And he was saying that he can't provide details. When politicians were asking questions, I think someone was saying, you know, was this um, an amicable departure between Collins and RTE? And Backhurst said that it was a professional departure. And uh, he clarified that Orty have not been served with any legal papers, but that Mr. Collins' legal representatives were present at a meeting where his resignation was discussed. And uh, that's as far as he would go. And Richard Collins' predecessor as Chief Financial Officer, Breed O'Keefe, her name also came up again. Yes, so one of the ongoing reviews that's costing um, a quarter of a million a month is the McCann-Fitzgerald review into the exit packages that were offered to some some people in RT when they left. RT was asked a lot of questions about the fact that, you know, why is public money being spent on exit packages for people who are then immediately being replaced? So the role continues to exist after the person leaves. And they understood that under RT's own guidelines, exit packages should only be offered if there is a saving of up to 80% after the person leaves. So if somebody goes, they're paid an exit package, but then you're paying a significant salary replacing someone else in the exact same role. Is that actually correct? The furthest Kevin Backhurst went was um, he said that, you know, if a review finds that somebody got an exit package that they may not have been entitled to, RTE didn't rule out having to ask for those exit packages to be returned, which I think is really interesting. And I wonder, is it worth kind of comparing to the situation RTE finds itself in now where Ryan Tuberty, um, under his contract, was entitled to get that €150,000. There had been talks about him giving it back if he were retur- to return to Radio 1. The €150,000 that was discussed at this committee with Mr Tuberty, has RTE received that money back? No. Does RTE intend to recoup that money? We don't have any legal basis to recoup it. But we have, I have said publicly um, that I think there's a a moral imperative rather than a legal one on that. I think that would be really interesting and really worth keeping an eye on over the next few months. So over the next few months, we are going to get a, a plan on the strategic vision for RTE's future, brackets, a load of cutbacks and a load of, of savings. What are we looking at in terms of redundancies? So he, Kevin Backers was very careful to say that at the moment he does not believe that compulsory redundancies are on the cards. He would actually need um, the government to sign off on that and he believes that there's no political appetite to do so. He's not really in favour of it either. There are going to be voluntary redundancies. That is going to continue. Obviously, that's causing a huge amount of anxiety among ordinary RT workers who feel that it's the people at the top of the organisation that's gotten them into this mess, people who are on salaries kind of beyond their wildest dreams. Kevin Backhurst was also saying some things that I think would be quite worrying for the entire creative arts and media sector in Ireland, saying that RT is now going to have to put a lid on a lot of discretionary spending. He's quite worried about the fact that RT is probably going to cut back on independent productions. 
RT is probably the biggest investor in independent productions in the country. A lot of big digital projects are going to have to be shelved. Some really big um, kind of event productions are going to have to go. And I suppose what's relevant in the context of the late, late toy, the toy show, the musical controversy, uh, RT is not going to put on any more theatre productions. Now, I know that sounds like common sense, given the fact that they lost over 2.2 million on an absolute box office disaster. But if you were to look at RT's strategy documents over the last few years, live events was supposed to be this huge revenue raiser for RT. It was supposed to copy what the BBC does with um, Top Gear Live or like, you know, live events for Strictly. It can't do that anymore, I suppose, because of what happened with Toy Show the Musical. So I think that there's probably an unknown amount of revenue that's going to be lost now from creativity and RT having to be stifled and RT not being able to take risks on what should have been these big, huge revenue raisers of live events. So the financial position, whatever angle you look at it from, is is pretty bleak. Now, speaking of commercial arrangements, we were told there's going to be new guidelines put in place for people who have contracts outside of RTE and their use of the RTE campus. Yeah, this is really interesting because we know there's been a lot of focus on brand deals and and sponsored content that people get into. And Backhurst kind of singled out 2FM presenters. He was saying that when people are hired by 2FM, they're hired because they have like a huge social media presence because RTE is desperate to get a younger audience in. And obviously those people would have made a lot of money from brand deals before they worked for RTE. But once they start or- working for RTE, that's where the line is blurred. And we've seen some controversies with people selling porridge from a 2FM studio or the Lottie Ryan controversy where she was kind of posed in the RT car park with RT branding in the background selling a Toyota car. Kevin Backhurst is saying that there are going to be new guidelines that come in that have to clarify what people can and can't do. And he's saying that uh, there are going to be new rules that forbid people from taking videos on the RTE campus for the purpose of outside deals. So what Lottie Ryan did would be banned. What Darren Garrahy did, posing with the porridge company in a 2FM studio, would be banned. And I suppose some people might see this as, you know, the horse has bolted already. This has already become an economy for 2FM presenters in particular. But I suppose Backhurst is very eager to challenge public perceptions that people are using Ortiz intellectual property and profiteering from it in private and that money is going directly to the presenters themselves and Ortiz, the public service broadcaster, is not benefiting from it. The Late Late Show came up a couple (laughs) of times on a Thursday morning in the basement of Leinster House. Yeah, I I thought this was really interesting. So I think if you're if you exist in the world, you'll probably know that everybody loves cribbing and complaining about the fact that when they sit down on a Friday night, they feel that a lot of people brought onto the the Late Late Show set have kind of been recruited from the RTE canteen, that it's kind of like RTE using its flagship show to promote its other shows. When this controversy first kicked off, Labour's Alan Kelly had asked for RTE to basically give a list of the amount of times over the last few years its own stars have been promoted on The Late Late Show. RTE had said that that would be too difficult to collate. Kelly rejected that. He was like, listen, it's Friday and Saturday night. It should be pretty easy to do. Um, So he has put that to RTE and I think he's asked for a response 
um, over, I think, by next week. It is very interesting in the context of the current season of The Late Late Show, which we know has suffered from criticism. You know, people were talking about the fact that the the kind of first uh, Keelty's debut, he had a lot of fellow RT presenters on it. Uh, we've had Tipperary Crystal. Now it is time for two Tipperary Diamonds who've already won the Senior Showbiz Championship here in Ireland. They have a million listener podcasts, an award-winning radio show, their own music festival, and now a new TV show, which is going to be filmed in a pub. What could possibly go wrong? Please knock it over the bar for the two Johnnies. The way that Alan Kelly framed it was there's a perception among the public that there's this kind of cosy relationship that RT stars benefit from and the public want to see some gesture or indication from RT that that is going to change. A guest who didn't appear on the late, on that first Late Late Show also popped up. Donny O'Sullivan. RT had booked the CNN presenter Donnie O'Sullivan, who's obviously based in the US, to come over and be a guest. It had gotten to the stage where plane tickets had been purchased, and I think it was reported that the, the cost of the tickets was in four figures. His family are based in Kerry. They had arranged to kind of come up to RT for the night. There was an intervention, and it was decided to drop Donnie O'Sullivan as a guest and to replace him with the aforementioned two Johnnies. Obviously, this generated controversy because... That interview by the two Johnnies was to promote a new television show that they have coming up. So people were wondering, is this, you know, much of the same again? Is this RTE kind of using its biggest flagship show to promote its other productions? Um, And I suppose a lot of people would have thought that it was also a fairly bad way to treat a guest, you know, to have somebody um, booked to come over from the US. And I think it's also understood that RTE couldn't recoup the cost of the flight because Dhoni had already checked in online. That's how late in the day it was that it was changed. We know that there's been ructions internally at the late late. It's been reported that um, a major producer has left, I think only three or four weeks after Keelty started. There's been a lot of controversy about the the calibre of the guests, despite the fact that RTE brought in a supposed, you know, A-lister booker to kind of bring in top tier talent um, to kind of sit on the set and be interviewed by Keelty. So it's unfortunate because The Late Late Show already had this cloud of controversy hanging over it for obvious reasons. And I suppose it has gotten off to a difficult start. And the last thing the producers want is for The Late Late Show to be in the news for any of the wrong reasons at the moment. Kevin Backer said yesterday that the latest figures on the fall off in license fees is down 39%. So in other words, two out of five people who bought a TV license this time last year are now not buying a TV license. Do we need a national public service broadcaster? I think it's a really interesting existential question. Um, And I suppose people are divided on it. Some people feel that the only reason um, the public are so critical of RTE and why public sentiment is so bad is because they expect so much of it and they hold it in such high regard. And I suppose when you feel that you pay for something, that we fund it, we have a sense of ownership over it and we feel that we can kind of criticise it in a specific way. At the other side of things, you do have a generational shift. A lot of people don't even have televisions anymore in their 20s and they don't see things reflected in the RT running order on a Friday or Saturday night that actually represents them. Public service broadcasting is a very noble theory. The idea is that you would have a broadcaster which would receive enough public funding that it wouldn't be completely influenced by um, commercial decisions. Obviously, RTE, as we well understand from the summer, 
also is subjected to commercial influences as well. But the idea is that you're supposed to have this institution that kind of tells the story of Ireland that's geographically representative, that represents different demographics of people, um, that does public service broadcasting with really expensive investigative journalism, the kind of stuff that we would never have the money to do in here. And also, I think the thing that gets lost in this is that we are all fundamentally far less sophisticated than we would like to believe. And the things that people love RTE for are things that get criticised, like the Rosa Tralee. It's commissioning Marty Morrissey to do various different things or interview little children before the All-Ireland final. It's perpetual seasons of room to improve. It's nationwide. It's winning streak. It's all of those things that no other broadcaster would actually have the budget or ability to do, but that people are fond of. And it might not be as worthy as Primetime or RTE investigates, but it's the kind of thing that if it were absent from RTE, it wouldn't actually be replaced. And then you also have cultural investments, things that would never survive on their own in a commercial market like Lyric. What are we looking at in terms of the future of RTE as the public service and state national broadcaster? Well, I think the difficult thing is if RTE is in a position where it has to cut productions, you are talking about things that people are going to be quite fond of. Um, And while you'll you'll always have the core bread and butter things like news and current affairs, you have to wonder if there is going to be the budget or ambition there for investigative and legally dangerous journalism, but very, very important journalism. You have to wonder if that could be on the chopping block if there is a very expensive investigation that someone wants to do. You also have to look at giant entertainment events. Um, You know, things like the Rose of Tralee are expensive to put on, but they do bring in an audience. But RT has to look at its big kind of event productions and look at what it actually can afford to do. I think you're coming to a point where things could actually get quite tense between the public and RT. Catherine Martin had always said that she wanted to have the public kind of directly paying for RT. She didn't favour it coming from Exchequer funding because she wanted the public to have a sense of ownership to feel like they are actually paying for RTE and that it's not coming out of this kind of unknown government pot. But if you're getting to a point where the public are getting more exasperated with RTE, where they feel like they might have the perception that their licence fee has gone into some sort of barter account or has been used to pay for flip-flops. And if they don't see RTE doing the things that are important to them or the things that they feel represent them and the people around them, then I think you actually are going to have a point of tension between the public and RTE where maybe it might make more sense to have exchequer funding, to have us not feel it coming out of our bank account, to kind of feel that it is the state doing it. But then at that side, you obviously have concerns about perceptions of political interference. So even before the payments controversy, there was never going to be an easy answer on what the future funding model is for RTE. It is desperately unfortunate that the timing of this controversy clashed with the time at which the government was about to make a really humongous decision about the future of public service broadcasting in Ireland. And I think whatever way you look at it, I don't see a single future funding model that doesn't come with a massive amount of controversy for either the public, the government or RTE itself. And my thanks to Ellen Coyne. I'm Fiona Sheehan, and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by Gareth Mulhall, researched by Dave Hanratty and Silvia Omorodion, with sound by John Smith. Archive clips from Oireachtas TV, RTE News and the Irish Independent. If you enjoy the Indo-Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review. And to follow more on this story, go online to the Irish Independent.
Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel.